Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 402, and we're back in 1 Samuel in the story of David before his uh, kingship. Really, the first Samuel is David before he's king over Israel, and then 2 Samuel is David as king over Israel. So David's the main focus of these two books of the Bible. Of course, he's not the only focus. We do get Samuel's story first and then Saul's story, but we're, we're firmly focused on David now. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help here so that through the story of David, we can see the greater son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, which is truth and life to us. Father, write your word on our hearts. Draw us close to Christ for the time we spend with you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 25 begins briefly with the death of Samuel. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him as they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Maon, whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name, and thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give us whatever you have at hand to your servant and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from I don't know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. 
Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this, and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house, and he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seahs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey, and came down under cover of the mountain. Behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I have so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek you do evil to my Lord, who, do, who seek to do evil to my Lord, be as Nabal. And now, let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done so to my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, 
who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning, there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. That's First Samuel 25. So it's interesting to me that 1 Samuel 25 begins with just this very brief mention of the death of Samuel. It is a touching mention, but many, many other characters in the Bible, other figures in the Bible, get much longer treatments about their death, how they died, when they died, who was there when they died, how they were buried, what was said when they were buried. Samuel gets... Less than a verse, (laughs) because verse 1 continues on after the death of Samuel, which is a little strange. You know, the original manuscripts of the Bible don't have chapter and verse divisions. The the chapters were added later, the verses were added still later, hundreds and hundreds of years after the Bible was written. So the verse numbers are not original, and they're not inspired by God. And this is another of the strange ones of like, why is verse 2 starting with, and there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. Why not have that second sentence, then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Why not have that be a separate verse? I mean, these are things that I wonder because I just wonder about little picky things like that. But still, Samuel's death gets less than a verse. And he's got two books of the Bible that are named after him. Also, 1 and 2 Samuel begins with the miraculous birth of Samuel as a gift from God. 
But then he dies before the end of 1 Samuel and continues on with 2 Samuel. Samuel's not around anymore. We're going to see him later, actually, in a bizarre story. One of the most bizarre stories in the Old Testament is coming up when we will actually hear from Samuel again after his death. But but what makes these books 1 and 2 Samuel? He didn't write them. Do we know who wrote them? No, we don't really know who wrote them. But anyway, Samuel is clearly one of the titanic figures in the story of God's people. A great man of God, greatly used of God, uh, as the last judge and the anointer of the first two kings of Israel. And he dies. And then we have this <laughs> Nabal. Our culture has a fascination with the uber-rich. We somehow think in our culture that if someone is rich, that means that they are wise, that they have something to say that's worth listening to, that we should put them on a pedestal and hear what they have to say and follow after them. They get book deals, they get television appearances, they get, you know, popularity and fame and a cult following. And Nabal is a great example of a man who was rich, but was worthless. I love the fact that he's he's worth a lot. I mean, he's got 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. That's 4,000 head of livestock, sheep and goats. That's a lot of wealth. And think about what, what Abigail is able to take to David and his men without Nabal even noticing and without having to ask permission. There just happened to be available for her to very quickly, all within an hour or two, it seems like, to take 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep that have already been prepared, five sias of parched grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and she has donkeys to lay them on. So it's not like he just has 3,000 head of livestock. He has an enormous amount of wealth. And yet, right before that gift is prepared by Abigail, we have one of Nabal's many servants who say, quite rightly, about his master, he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. <laughs> he's worthless. He's, he's foolish. His name basically means folly and And he is foolish. And so, Abigail. We often talk about men who marry above themselves, right? Marry up. Nabal clearly married up. Now, we could speculate and say that, uh, we could say that maybe, um, Nabal got his wealth because Abigail was such a wise advisor and such a wise manager and caretaker. Notice the servants go to her when they have a problem. And that may be the case, although that's a bit of speculation. Clearly, Nabal was someone who was materially blessed far beyond what he deserved. But that's a reminder that all of us are materially blessed far beyond what we deserve. For all of us, without the grace of God, would be as foolish and worthless as Nabal. So David's 
men have actually been protecting Nabal's flocks and servants. When, when flocks and servants are out in the wilderness, especially with thousands of head of sheep, there's a lot that can go wrong. Robbers, thieves, bandits, uh, you know, bands of, of, uh, of raiders from other tribes, wolves, lions. And they said that, that David's men were like a wall against them. Look at verse 15. These men were very good to us. We suffered no harm. We did not miss anything when we were in the fields. As long as we went with them, they were a wall to us both night and day. All the while we were keeping, we were with them keeping the sheep. Think of how often we are protected and blessed by God, and yet we don't give thanks where thanks is due. We don't praise the Lord. We just say, ha, haven't I been clever? Or, wow, that's, that's lucky, right? Or, wow, you know, we, we do this about wealthy people in our culture today. We say they're very entrepreneurial. They're very enterprising. They're very bold and risk-taking. They're very lucky, right? They, they won the lottery of life. We don't say in our culture, God blessed them, and they ought to give thanks to him, and they ought to serve him with the wealth that God has provided for them. That's the truth. But in our culture, we don't speak the truth very much. We say all sorts of other things that are not true. Well, Abigail here is a, a picture of an intercessor. She, she stands in intercession between David and his just and holy wrath. Not really just because it would have been blood guilt, but we would say in the eyes of the world, justified wrath. This man has been rude and really just not great. <laughs> he didn't respond the way he should have. We are told in scripture that one of the main reasons why God's wrath is kindled against people is our lack of gratitude. Romans 1 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So we know one of the main reasons why the wrath of God is revealed is a lack of gratitude from people who have received every good and perfect gift from the Father of lights and who do not give thanks. That's what Nabal did. Nabal received protection and blessing from David and his men, and yet he did not give thanks. Instead, he insulted. And think of how rude our culture is when it talks about God. How dismissive, how arrogant. And so Abigail here is a picture, even though in this case, David's wrath really isn't just as God's wrath is, and it would have made him guilty of blood guilt. So she's actually providing salvation for David, but still she's a picture of an intercessor giving something to appease the wrath of God. And then ultimately in an imperfect way, but ultimately it's a shadow, it's an echo, it's a picture of Christ on the cross as the intercessor offering himself to appease the just wrath of God as he dies in our place. So Abigail is here a picture 
of, of intercession, of, of providing appeasement, propitiation, we could say, to assuage the wrath of David. But also, we see another picture here in that one of the things that she saved David from doing is trying to work salvation for himself. And so she she said, I don't want to, I, I don't want you to incur blood guilt, and I don't want you to work salvation for yourself. And and David acknowledges that. I don't want to work salvation for myself. We see that in verse 31. And we see David's response acknowledging that uh, in verse 33. And so we are not to try to work salvation for ourselves. Romans 12 tells us, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So even on an earthly sense, we should not seek to get revenge, to make wrong things right, take things into our own hands. That's wrong. We should not do that. We should not do that. In whatever way, shape, or form, we're tempted to do that. Social media, sometimes we think, oh, if I can just get a good zinger in there, I'll put him in their place. That's wrong. It's taking things into our own hands. But also, on a bigger scale, we are not to try to work salvation for ourselves because salvation is a free gift of God given by his grace, paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. Our forgiveness, our reconciliation to God, our eternal life is given to us as a gift. And so we should not try to work salvation for ourselves. So that's where we see Christ here. We see Christ in the picture of intercession that Abigail gives. And we see Christ in being the salvation that we cannot work for ourselves. And Abigail's a good model here of humility, of industry. Uh, and, and David wants her as his wife and he she goes and she serves him and becomes his wife. Now, we're getting into something that's going to be a, a snare to David later in the story. And that is he's beginning to take multiple wives to himself. And that is not God's will really ever. God permits it. God allows it. But God doesn't really bless that or command it. So we'll see that, but we'll save that for later. All right, that's 1 Samuel 25. I hope that you've seen Christ and can follow after him today. I hope you'll join us for 1 Samuel 26 tomorrow. Uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Write it on our hearts. Help us to live it today. Help us to be thankful for the intercession of Christ. Help us to be thankful for the salvation of Jesus. He is the one we need to follow after. He is the one we need to trust. Help us to walk in wisdom and humility like Abigail, to be industrious, hardworking, wise, and yet humble and grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tomorrow, First Samuel 26, we'll see David spare Saul's life again. Until then, have a blessed day in the Lord.